Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Kensington Stretchers and Panels. I'm currently painting on two paintings that are stretched over Kensington panels, and they're doing the job and they look great as well. In addition to making panels, they even do custom stretchers, large and small, and they deliver to the New York City area and even further around the Northeast Coast. Support a small local business that's artist-run and check them out at kensingtonpanels.com or email them at info at kensingtonpanels.com. You can also see some of their work on Instagram at kensingtonpanels. Sound and Vision is also brought to you by Charter Coffee House. Charter's on Graham Avenue in East Williamsburg and it's conveniently located near my studio, one block from the Graham L stop. I've been really enjoying the Middle State Roasters Espresso they serve there. It's also where I get my Middle State beans that I make coffee at home with. And in addition to coffee, they also have pastries and donuts. Find out more at www.chartercoffee.com or follow them on Instagram at charter underscore BK and coming soon is their collaborative coffee blend with Middle State. Check them out. Aaron M. Riley is a visual artist who lives and works in Brooklyn and received an MFA from the Tyler School of Art and a BFA from Massachusetts College of Art and Design. Aaron's work has been exhibited at Vancouver Art Gallery, Hashimoto Contemporary, Dovecot Gallery, Freeze London, and many others. Aaron is represented by PPOW Gallery, and Aaron's first solo exhibition with the gallery, Used Tape, runs through June 30th. Aaron is also a two-time McDowell Fellow, a past resident at Bemis Center for Contemporary Art, the Vermont Studio Center, the McCall Center for Visual Art, VCCA, and others. Aaron's work has been published in magazines such as Cultured Magazine, American Craft, Wall Street Journal, and New American Paintings. I met Aaron at the studio where we talked about punks, straight edge, Wawa, and looms, and much more. Here's our conversation. fine as long as you stay (laughs) close to the microphone hello okay (laughs) it's weird it seemed like you were waiting for it to respond back (laughs) like the echo was gonna go hello (laughs) hello (laughs) yeah okay so yeah this is good so you're not a sports fan um not um teams but i like (laughs) you like i played sports i played sports in high school and middle school what kind? Um, I played um, field hockey. I ran track, and I played softball. But uh, I hated softball, and but I was you just played. It was just bad. I was just bad at softball because it was so like it was like you were on the spot. It was intense. Yeah, it's it's really intense. It's a team sport, but it's real individual. Yeah, I mean you're up yeah. to play it. There's a lot of pressure because I remember like a practice game and like being doing really well, but during in games I was like the worst at it because of the pressure the nerves yeah yeah but yeah i never follow i mean when i lived in boston i followed the red sox but by law yeah (laughs) basically (laughs) like you know everyone was tired the next day it was just like an apartment thing we just watched it yeah did you actually like it or were you just kind of i think it's kind of interesting it's kind of that boring like interesting thing of you know 
um suspense yeah well, i like basketball it's faster celtics um, <laughs> no i don't know By i didn't default. watch basketball in boston okay yeah i watched it in more in philly so yeah that's cool yeah yeah i guess baseball is a nice group activity or a sport to have on because there's a lot of downtime right you can run get some dinner like yeah. you know there's no commercial yeah, yeah it's like going to games it's relaxing yeah. you don't actually have to sit there and watch the- i don't think anyone does anymore they just hang out just go eat a shake shack yeah. and like walk around yeah i've never been to a game so yeah yeah it's it's funny because um they have new state you know both teams mm-hmm. here have new stadiums and i take my son to games mm-hmm and, you know, especially when he was really little, we just go to eat food, basically. Huh. I mean, I want to see some of the game, right. but he just will go eat food. And in the new Mets stadium, they have a Shake Shack. And oh, that's cool. That's all he wants to do is eat a burger mm-hmm. and walk around yeah, and buy a souvenir. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. grew up in, you're from Cape, Cape Cod, Cod, right? That's a nice area. Yeah, it's nice. It's, um, it's nice as a tourist, I think. Yeah. Um, it's kind of just like a boring old small town. Right. All, like all the other times, all the other months of the year. But um, it's pretty. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, the ocean was like part of my childhood, you know, in the winter or just like, um, yeah, I can't complain. We go there a lot. Oh, really? Like short trips. Yeah. I mean, sea it's glass a beautiful and, spot. you know, walking around. It like... It's got a nice vibe to it. Yeah. You mm. don't go to the Hamptons or New York beaches? No. Or? I've never done Long Island, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And Cape Cod has a lot of like, I don't know. I mean, I think it's so iconic, you know? Yeah. So. It's got a vibe. Yeah. And, you know, we'll go to Newport. We'll go to Maine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think because I went to school in New Haven, so I was right. near the shore there and mm-hmm. I, I kind of like the shore. Yeah there yeah more so than well actually yeah i don't i never go out to the hamptons or do yeah it's a different kind of vibe yeah and the food's good too Mm -hmm. yeah i worked at a fish and chips place my whole high school that sounds about right (laughs) yeah (laughs) are you over fish and chips at this point um yeah i don't eat fish but i think i ate it when i worked there i was like i was like going into being a vegetarian but yeah i think i ate it because it was free so i ate it there right are you are you vegan or mm-hmm. vegetarian? Mostly vegan. Vegan. Yeah, yeah. I'm vegetarian. Okay. It's been. Do you eat fish? No. Okay. Like real vegetarian, yeah. but I I do dairy. Yeah. I cannot give up cheese. Yeah, <laughs> I gave it up, for the most part. Yeah. If I do residencies, I'll cheat a little, but, yeah. Well, when did you become vegetarian? I became College? vegetarian in high school. Oh, in high school. Yeah. Um, we. I mean. Like, growing up in, like, the punk scene and, like, all the weirdos started going vegetarian. And, um, yeah, so I just started. And oddly enough, there was, like, this high school, or seniors had their own cafeteria. So it was, like, this weird experiment they did one year, our year. And we, you know, so it's only our class. So the cafeteria ladies kind of knew our diets. And they would, like, make really delicious vegetarian food. Yeah. <laughs> so um, my mom was, like, an, had done, had been a lunch lady when I was in elementary school. So she kind of still knew the ladies. So they were, like, you know, you're Jackie's kid. We'll make you a good lunch. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> it's kind of weird. So I kind of felt pressure, like, 
to stay vegetarian, which was good, you know. In but high you school. got a good vegetarian yeah. food. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. When I be I became vegetarian my first year of college. Mm-hmm. It's like French fries or something. There were no, there was like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Back in the day, that's why I became vegetarian was to be sort of like streamlined, you know, like um, minimal yeah. and like simple. Yeah, simple. Yeah, exactly. And it's become so regular now that it's like you don't think it's almost about too it, right? many options. Yeah. I don't think about it until I'm with other people who are mm-hmm. like, oh, you're vegetarian. Right. Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it's been, yeah, 15, 20 years of being just like, this is the thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I lived across the McDonald's <laughs> when I first went to college. Uh-huh. Like my apartment door opened up and you cross the street and there's McDonald's door. Okay. So I was eating it and I was broke, you know, yeah. in college. So yeah. That first semester, I was just, you know, eating mcdonald's it was like supersized me but right. i wasn't my metabolism was too high to get fat but mm-hmm. i felt disgusting you know i was mm-hmm. greasy pores yeah yeah <laughs> and then i was friends with lots of you know at that time it was like the fugazi unwound scene mm-hmm. you know and a lot of straight edge kids mm-hmm. i was friends with yeah. who were in like scream core bands and mm-hmm. stuff and um so i was vegetarian they were vegan right yeah so i was pretty you know I wasn't hardcore. Yeah. I think that was kind of the opposite in my, in New York or Boston scene. It was like, um, a lot of the youth crew kids were just vegetarian. Mm -hmm. And then veganism was kind of something that I only really discovered later in college. Yeah. Well, the, these kids that, you know, were straight edged that I was hanging out with. I remember going to their kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) There was literally like when you open the fridge, there was water, some pieces of fruit, mm-hmm. and then then the cupboard there was like one box of like wheat, some sort of pasta. We had a ragu. It was yeah. like our our <laughs> our um, that was like the joke of our apartment. We lived above a butcher called Meatland, but we were all vegetarian, and there was a few vegans in the house. And like every few months, we would have to clear out the fridge from the ragu bottles. Like there were just like <laughs> ten of them, like half used. Like, nobody was, like, going to the grocery store being like, oh, we already have ragu, right. you know? So... It's piling up. Yeah. So... And you lived above a butcher? Yeah. Meat was land. that strategic or No, it was just kind of the way it happened. Did yeah, it was like a house that I lived in the, my whole college. Did it just have the scent of meat all No, the time? it didn't. Oh, no, okay. no, no. That would be brutal. Yeah. It was... Yeah, no, it was a butcher, but it wasn't, like... I mean, it's modern day, so I think it was contained. Yeah. Yeah. So you just, so it was easy though for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in the beginning it was like that adventure of like, there was like one time when Oreos became vegan and then like everyone just ate Oreos every day. (laughs) And like, there would be like times when like, like some brand would come out with something and we would like go on like missions, you know, around Massachusetts to find that product. Um, Did you hear vegan marshmallows? Right. Right. But it's not like today where it's like Whole Foods. Like I think it was back then it was still kind of that first whatever Whole Foods used to be. So, yeah, it was like you just ate food that was vegan, you know, but then like there would always randomly be a thing that was like vegan cheese or like vegan ice cream. So were you uh, in the hood whenever (laughs) food swings existed? I came a few times. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. 
Yeah. It was so good. Yeah, it was, was good. I used to live next door to it. Oh my god. Yeah, danger. Yeah. <laughs> it's like barbecue wings. Right. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, it was a good spot. It's basically the same thing with the McDonald's thing, you know? Yeah, it's vegan like, junk food. Yeah, it, the, a part of the reason I became vegetarian was because I would just eat so much meat. It was not mm-hmm. healthy, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I could eat a pack of bacon for breakfast. <laughs> now it's like a pack of veggie bacon. Right, yeah, yeah. Which, it's when they first came out with that stuff, it did taste like cardboard. Yeah. And now it's amazing. Right, yeah, it's definitely improved drastically. Right. So. Anyways, so growing up yeah let's get back to oh yeah so cape cod i mean parents artists no my mom is a male lady she's been a male lady my whole life she's like a she would waitress every now and then (coughs) male lady like carrier yeah delivers mail um she drove like a right-hand drive subaru for my childhood which is like a weird you know wait it was she was delivering mail out of her personal vehicle yeah yeah, some yeah. most a lot of rural carriers use their um, own car. Use their own cars. Yeah, <laughs> just take it in. It's like, can you stick the driver's wheel on that side? Yeah, no, she like got it. Get it special. from London. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was. It was always. I mean, I learned to drive on in when before she got that car. So, um, the stress of learning how to drive on the car she delivered mail in was high. Um, but yeah, and then my stepdad is a, he's painted cars. Mm-hmm. He worked on boats when I was younger, and then he became a car painter. Nice. So yeah, there wasn't really art. Art was never something that was like um, thought of or talked about. Um, when did you start sort of doing stuff? I think it was like things? young. I was like probably in middle school or elementary school and I just sort of was to my own devices um like with nail polish or like paint or sewing um but yeah we would and we would like build forts in the woods and like just kind of you know the after school kids you know who like busy yeah who their parents are at work Mm-hmm. And you come home from school and you're just like alone in the house and you have to figure it out. Yeah. So um, we did a lot of like, or we were just alone in the house, you know, yeah. like reading or making weird stuff or just like whatever. So. So when you, uh, when you were in high school, were you taking art, you know, yeah. into art class? And when did the sort of the punk tendency or like <laughs> the counterculture stuff that was kind in. of high school yeah freshman yeah. year i think i started hanging out with the skateboarders and so they would go to shows in boston and yeah. like they would randomly um i would hop on you know to yeah. go to a show in boston the middle east yeah middle actually east. what's is there a more punk gig than the middle east yeah there's like um there's like the church which i don't think they have shows in, in Austin anymore and then they there's um Another smaller spot, actually right near the Middle East, mm-hmm. that's like a Elks Hall, Cambridge Elks Hall. Right. Um, and there were just like, there was like the Juice Bar, which is in New Orleans, New Orleans. And then um, there was like a bunch of places. And what, what were you into music? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also Mass Art had, where I went to college. Yeah. Um, 
they had i was going to shows to Ma- at mass art before i even knew like mass art was a college i wouldn't want to even go to yeah so they're putting um, on shows at like yeah. student union or something yeah basically i mean i think like i think some big bands used to play at mass art i'm forgetting them right now but yeah so i started getting into that i mean high school i had i took art the whole time and then there was also like ceramics and graphic design and um by senior year i was pretty much just taking art and math yeah and like the requirements but yeah i was pretty lucky did you get turned on to mass art through going to see gigs there no through my teacher oh yeah yeah so they had a lot of schools come through do the presentation thing right yeah so how was that transition it was good i mean um i moved to boston early i like moved out during the day one day mm-hmm. like my mom didn't know and i just left you mean before like in the summer yeah before in the summer started? before school yeah. started um yeah so i had been working and sort of saving and then i um just left and moved into this apartment i didn't do dorms ever i just moved into this apartment at Meatland, which I got through some skateboarders, mm-hmm. um, Cape Cod skateboarders, and then um, moved in, and it was kind of a really hard adjustment because um, dealing with like public transportation for the first time, and you know, like driving, but not I was I shouldn't have ever driven to school, but I drove and like would get parking tickets. And how far was it? It wasn't far. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> It was maybe two miles. Far enough know? that you could drive it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I could drive it and get there in like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, transit would be like half hour, 45 minutes. Right. Um, the T. Yeah. It's the good T though, or the bus. Isn't it? Yeah. I think I took the T around when I was up It's there. okay. It's it gets not the great. Job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, yeah, especially if you're not used to or you don't really like know how to use the train. Right. It's like this weird learning curve to be doing that all the time, especially like when you're young. I don't know. Yeah, because when you were growing up, you were just walking around everywhere. Yeah, or right? driving. Or driving. Yeah, driving our own cars. Yeah, that's a, a shift. It's a very big shift. But did you have, it sounds like you had a good community of people that you knew yeah. at least vaguely. To yeah, there to was, one of my roommates went to Mass Art, so okay. we would sometimes take the train together. Yeah, so... When you're in a group with good. like skateboarders, it's yeah. like a community. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like I was always the only woman in the apartment, so it was like this weird rotating group of guys. So yeah, but I also think like once I started getting involved with my art school, I got really focused on that, and I would just spend all my time basically at school yeah. in the studios. Well, when you first started school there, what did you, you got a studio right away? No, but we had. You had to earn it. Once you <laughs> once you declared a major, yeah. you got like this desk area in the fibers. I declared fibers. Oh right. So um you got a desk. And back in the day it was like I think there were like ten of us and mm-hmm. now there's like thirty or something, so it's like a much tighter situation. But yeah, so we had a decent amount of space. Did you get materials too for that? No. You had to do your you own. You had to buy your own materials. What yeah. about like you know, the looms, looms, yeah. So, like, my first semester I took, or second semester, the first time I could take an elective, I took weaving. Mm-hmm. And I think they provided materials for the first few projects. And then, like, for your final project, you had to buy materials. And that's kind of like a 
good practice for like ordering yarn and like knowing that it's going to be good stuff or whatever. Planning how much you need, I would imagine. Yeah. Doing all the calculations, which is like this math, this like amazing math formula that I love. Um, Yeah. So I took weaving and then I pretty much never stopped weaving. Why do you think, what was it about, you know, textiles and weaving that drew you in? Um, is there any connection to anything prior no. or I mean I was a sewer yeah so I sewed through I would like make my own clothes and like I wanted to be a fashion designer and um I would do a lot of hand stitching knitting um like very I think I spent a lot of time by myself and like doing these like very meticulous tasks mm-hmm. um I think it's just like a, a temperament think there's a lot of weavers who are just like weird like kind of ocd um process yeah process like obsessed you know and i think like i've asked a few like older weavers like do you have like unending amounts of patience and they're like no just for weaving you know like and that's kind of how i am i'm not like a I don't love waiting in line, you know, I don't love all these, like, all the things, but I will sit at the loom and weave for, like, 10 hours a yeah. day, and it's, like, this weird thing to just do, so. I'm the same way with painting. Yeah, yeah I think painting is a similar thing. I hate lines, but yeah. I'll wait, I'll wait it out. Yeah. I might complain about it a little bit, <laughs> Right. it's long. <laughs> yeah. Begrudgingly, yeah. it's, like, you're, you're the, you're the boss, but you're also, like, the worker, too, at the same yeah. time. It's this hard, kind of identity crisis some days yeah yeah I feel like um like right now I'm working on I just finished a couple small pieces that were kind of easy Mm -hmm. or quicker yeah and now I'm starting this like really intricate painting Mm -hmm. and it's all I can think about right and you just want to get to anticipation yeah and like I want to get it over the hump yeah you know to where I'm like okay this is gonna work out right does it ever not work out yeah okay not too too often because I'm pretty planned about mm-hmm. what I'm making. Yeah, but once in a while, I'll hit a dud. Okay. But I I finish it and then right. I just don't show it or rip it off. Okay. Anymore. But at this point, I feel like I can see things through. Yeah, and they'll work out. But yeah, it's the beginning is unsettling. I feel like it's just true. I definitely r- like dread and procrastinate a little bit. There's a lot of process stuff for me, so like I can do. I can procrastinate that feels productive. Yeah. Which is like the stupid mind game you play. And then, um, and like once you, once I start, I really enjoy it, obviously. But yeah, there's something about, and also like the more work I make, the the sort of more I try to challenge myself. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing. It's like, I don't have to challenge myself, but I'm just like, it's exciting and like this weird surprise. So, um, it's like pushing, yeah. just pushing the work. Really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So either content or like um, technique and material and color and all that. So. Right. So yeah. when you're starting out in the textile program there, did you have to learn all this stuff from scratch? Or yeah. did you know how to do some of it? Yeah. So, I mean, I saw, I never knew what a loom was. I never saw a loom. Um, I learned about looms and setting them up and all of that. Um, it's kind of like the first thing you learn Mm -hmm. and then you learn about all of what's possible on the loom. So like weaving fabric and weaving, um, 
tapestry, which is what I do. Mm -hmm. And then um, sort of like all of these other sculptural things that you can do with a womb. And um, yeah, so you learn all those things and then you sort of start to be like, okay, I like this part. And then you can, I really loved painting in college and in high school. And I loved like collage and imagery. And um, I always used text in my work. Um, and so like tapestry always seemed like something I, or once I started to learn about tapestry, it was like, oh, I can do this. I can make something that's like very meticulous and hard, but it's, I can also use imagery. Yeah. So yeah, I like connected really to that. Well, the work is, feels very connected. I mean, it's, there are images. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's the materiality that you're doing, but mm-hmm. there it's no different than a painting in the sense right. that you're just building an image. Yeah, it's just exactly. Completely different, it's different. Than, like the materials, but right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like I don't know why I didn't do painting. Like I was really I really loved painting, but I would like I would do a painting and then I would like stitch on it. I would mm-hmm. like do all these things on top of it and then I was thinking like you know, once I learned weaving, it was like, oh, I can do all of this at the same time, yeah. you know. So doesn't have to be an afterthought. Right. Or like, yeah. a, you know, a collage. Yeah. It can all just happen together. Yeah. So it seemed right. And like in grad school, I sort of conceptualized it all and was like, you know, a l- you sort of ha- are forced to do those things about like women's work and mm-hmm. like labor. And um, and I am interested in that. But I think in the end, it is really just something I really enjoy and the way I like to use color, you know. So. Yeah. And it's fine to be as simple as that, I think. Right. So when you were in school mm-hmm. and you were getting crits, were you critiqued just in the fiber department? Yeah, or just in fibers. Oh, so you weren't getting any. Well, I took, I did like a independent study, a drawing independent study. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also did a lot of painting. I took like an oil painting class. I took, um, I did a lot just because I was interested in a lot of it and like um and also because fibers was kind of a small department and there wasn't a lot of like um varied work being made I mean I think anything where you where the learning curve is so high the work all looks the same Mm -hmm. in the beginning because we're all learning the exact same things it's all sort of sampler ish so um you know you walk through the sculpture halls and there's like amazing art being made um, because you don't really need to like spend six months learning how to like cut foam or something. Right. So, um, it always seemed like a more exciting place to be. So I did sort of interact with sculpture and painting and that happened through grad school too. Well, I'm guessing p- too, you were crits. going to like MFA and, you know, yeah. seeing, seeing a lot of work in yeah. Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Museum. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's like there was the sim department at Mass Art, which is like more experimental. Um, yeah, I mean, while I've always like liked to make things that hang on the wall, when you're young, you kind of are like, oh, is this just lame? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, are are all these people doing like crazy performances? Like, are they making cooler art than I? Right, right. <laughs> I'm like making here. sad girl art, <laughs> and they're like making like insane performances, like lights and sounds, and it's like, oh god. That's what art school is. Yeah. But. Yeah. I'm just over yeah. here doing my thing. Is right. This, is this important? Right. You know. Yeah. 
So um, I was always kind of absorbing it all. Yeah. yeah. So, so you decided to go to grad school. Did you yeah. go straight away? Yeah, I went straight away. And to Philly? To Philly, yeah. So I was, I mean, I... Like Tyler, right? Tyler School of Art. Yeah, I like wanted to go to... I've always wanted to, I always wanted to live in the Bay Area. So I like was my, the school I wanted to go to was California College of the Arts and Crafts, which mm-hmm. had arts and crafts then. Right. Um, didn't get in. And it was because they were going away from this like tr- more traditional processes. Um, and that's cool. Um, and I applied to Cranbrook. Because my professor in undergrad like wanted us all to go to Cranbrook because she mm-hmm. was like obsessed with it. And then um, two of us got in. She was like, you know, like the proudest grad, you know, yeah, yeah. proudest teacher. And then. Um, and you didn't go? No. <laughs> well, I told her how much it was. Uh-huh. She hadn't known because oh. she had gone, you, you know, probably 30 years <laughs> earlier than me. And like slightly cheaper. Than yeah, yeah. I was like. I was like, well, like Tyler is this and um, Cranbrook is this. And then like the next day she's like, I didn't sleep. Like you shouldn't go to Cranbrook. (laughs) She's like, I'm like, she's like, I've been talking to my husband. I just don't think you should go. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, It was an interesting thing to be like. And then actually, I think maybe a day or two later, Tyler called and they offered me the assistantship. Oh, nice. So it was like an easy decision. To just be like, okay, um, you know, I can, Philly seemed like a, it was far away, but it was still sort of something that was a city, even though Tyler wasn't actually in Philly yet. Um, So there was sort of this false advertisement, but yeah, I think it was good. I mean, it's a, it's a small program, very small program. Um, is it fiber? Fibers. There's four spots, and like two each year. So How many it's a teachers? One, pretty much. Like oh, there's like adjunct, but yeah. yeah, one, and then you're sort of in this crafts bubble. So there's like ceramics and glass and metals. There's other voices. Yeah, but it's all sort of yeah in this. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so that was like 2000. Eight, mm-hmm. which was I'm not sure if you like are tapped into this like crafts versus art drama, but back then it was very strong. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was like <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't it know was, if I was ba- it was kind in. of stressful to yeah. be like a lot of the professors were kind of obsessed with that conversation and made us obsessed with that conversation to the point where I think it was like um like delaying our <laughs> progress right because we were like we have to fight for crafts oh yeah um we're a viable th- right you know, form yeah of we were like going into the world defensive yeah. and it was like this was kind of this conversation that they have experienced and and i think they thought they were being responsible by preparing us for that you know ultimate conversation but um it was too much probably it was too much and it was also kind of like over by the time we got out of grad school yeah so i went into the world kind of being like i gotta fight for my process and like everyone's like the war's stand up over. for it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah they're like everyone's home like it's yeah. fine we're all fat and it's we've slept like it's gonna be okay you know um i think sometimes uh, okay if yeah. you're a professor don't don't listen to this but i, I feel like 
sometimes professors that are in schools for a long time yeah can slightly disconnect from the current discord or you know get totally. a little unplugged yeah and some of the issues that they're worried about or that they feel are there are just not there anymore yeah yeah i mean i think it's an interesting okay let's see it was never an interesting conversation it's probably but good though that you yeah had to get ready for that battle right right maybe yeah i mean i think i think in the end it kind of polarized us to a way that like I think Philly does that to people too like I think the city makes you like tough yeah and not in a great way sometimes because it is such a hard place to live you know especially like when you're an artist and you end up finding this like warehouse in the middle of you know like Kensington and you have to be like are my tires going to be on my car in the morning you know like it's a stressful place to live sometimes or back then it was so um yeah, I mean, it prepared us, but it was like, it was a weird in to, um, like, the art world, I guess. Well, when so. you got to New York, it must have felt like <laughs> a, l- a luxury cruise. It was combined. very easy. Like, no one's like, yeah, it wasn't really this struggle. Yeah. It wasn't the gritty. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, it's funny. I tell people sometimes who aren't, don't live here, yeah. never come to New York, and they come to New York. And they'll be a little worried or like, is it, are we safe? Mm-hmm. You know, is Yeah, New okay? York is so safe compared to yeah, places. I tell them when I grew up in Pittsburgh, it was way more dangerous. Mm-hmm. I, I felt, you know, I got jumped. I got, you know, like that stuff would happen yeah. like here. It feels so much safer. Now, granted, yeah. anything can happen anywhere, really. Right, but right. overall, there's just way more a sense of, you know, safety. Although... Yeah. That's recent phenomenon. Yeah, course. for sure. When I talk yeah. to people who have been here in the 70s, they're like, <laughs> it's the Wild West. I know. <laughs> Betty Tompkins was saying she used to like walk around with Mace. Yeah. By, by her studios. It's interesting. Yeah, it seems it is a funny thing of being like, oh, because it is do- so diverse and because people sort of are transient here, there's no real like, um, you know, like neighborhood vibe like i mean not so much anymore yeah not so much anymore like this neighborhood is pretty there's some old people around here but it seems like they're all sort of aging out but yeah it's changed yeah I know. so i mean was philly good philly was good i think it was like this weird um learning curve i super cheap um my studio was amazing um yeah and I worked like crazy I mean I worked I had a part-time job and um worked in the studio afterwards and um was kind of doing all like the applications to shows and all of that um good visiting artists um not so much (laughs) yeah yeah I would say so yeah there were some good ones um lots of good critiques like the sculpture department's really good I had a lot of really good feedback on my work That's good. in the begin- in grad school. It's good if it comes from other places. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I the think danger with medium based programs when they're segregated is mm-hmm. you just get one conversation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was good to be basically no one wanted me to do tapestry within fibers. They were just like they thought I was giving fibers like this old rap. Like I was like staying traditional they wanted it to be more experimental and like installation based and um 
that was kind of where programs were going back then. Um, like whole programs were selling their looms. They were staying like the fibers department, but they were just getting rid of all their looms. And it was like, now they've all kind of gotten back their looms. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. oh, we, people want to know these things still, you right. know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it was good for me. And you know, like I was so young. Like, there's some times when I'm like, you know, maybe I would have gotten more out of it if I was older, but I also think like, it's just kind of cool that it's over with, you know, I have my MFA every yeah. now and then I think like, Oh, I should go back to school. But then I'm like, no, I don't need to go back to school. But I, I think, yeah. th- I mean, I, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people think that like, Oh, I, if I went to get my master's now, I would probably get three times more. Right. Cause you're just, you know, you bring all that experience and you really take advantage of it or something. Yeah. Yeah. But then ev- a lot of times when people wait, 10 years to get their masters by that point they're just like i just want to like relax and enjoy mm-hmm. not being in the real world for a couple of years right like you that was kind of why i went too was because i was like yeah delaying adulthood basically sure <laughs> i'll take a rain check on yeah, that yeah two more years <laughs> normal life sucks stuff yeah you know? yeah it was good i mean yeah but i, yeah. I you do have energy when you're right yeah you have energy and you're sort of like blissfully unaware to all of the student loans and yeah there's a lot of um oh you mean that gray cloud that just <laughs> <laughs> looms over you're every day looking. of your life <laughs> what is that oh, don't worry about that <laughs> student loans <laughs> yeah that'll go yeah. away right totally Someday someone it'll will just disappear yeah. yeah no worries it's like a, it'll be like a hacker thing that happens right you have zeros Energies. on everything right yeah. Well, young students today don't have that uh, neglect or like they know. About they know it. what's happening. Well, it's yeah. And it's so much more expensive. Right. Now than, you know, what year did you get your MFA? 2009. So I'm sure prices have gone up. Yeah. I mean, give yeah. it a decade and it doesn't get any cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you delayed the real world, but then you jumped. Did you think after Philly, I'm going straight to New York, I'm getting out of no, this No, no, I never wanted to move to New York. You want to stay in Philly? No, but I I just never thought I could afford to live in New York. A lot of my friends from undergrad had moved there and were doing fine, but I just never believed them. You no know, one like re- no one really came. I know. <laughs> I know. Like they would be like there's so many jobs, like you can get a studio and like everything's fine and I'm always just like I would go on Craigslist and be like they're lying. Like Those are the same people who were saying like everyone needs to have a kid. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> They're just like, they want everyone to be on the boat, you right, know? Right. It's like, we're all sinking. Which but, is um, kind of endearing. Right, true. It's like, if this ship goes yeah. down, I want all you guys <laughs> on this ship. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, I think it was four or five years of my friends being like, you can do it. Yeah. You'll be okay. And then um, Elle and I came one day to our studios in Philly and we're like, nobody's allowed to be in this building like this building is condemned <laughs> <laughs> like right. like the marshal came in it was like you got to get out of here like <laughs> like, like literally now, now. like grab your stuff turn the lights off you have to get out of this building <laughs> grab your loom yeah no <laughs> literally i had to just be like and i think i was living no i know i had an apartment but yeah it was like 
it was crazy. We'd had a bunch of like bomb scares in that building. We'd have fires, there were floods. It was like, but it was like so cheap. They paid you to be there. (laughs) They're like, look, just turn on the lights and clean once in a while. Right. Um, Feed the cats. Um, So did that. So that that my and a friend of mine, his studio mate here in Bushwick, had just left. Mm So it was like this weird sort of perfect timing of just being like, well, I'm locked out of my studio. Like, I have to figure this out anyways. And I guess I'm just going to move to New York. So that sounds yeah. so committed and enthusiastic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had I'll lived go. there. I had met this guy at a Vermont Studio Center. Mm-hmm. And I was living or I was moving into in with a boyfriend um, in Philly. And over the residency, I got dumped. So, like, all of my stuff was in storage. And I was, like, about... I was, like, kind of come home from the residency and move in. And we broke up. And then I met this guy at Vermont Studio Center who lived in Bushwick, too. And I ended up just staying and sort of having a a studio because I was going to Bemis, like, two months later. Oh, yeah, Nebraska, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I was, like... I had lived in Bushwick for, like, three months before in, like, 2011. And, you know, started to sort of see what New York would be like. Yeah. Um, so that was a good sort of introduction, a three month introduction. And then I did Bemis, went back to Philly and then and then that studio thing happened. So your friends who were trying to convince you to come to the city now, are you kind of like, what did you do to me? Or are you like, thank um, you? I think it was good. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely better. It's well, way better than Philly. You're doing well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that's hard. It's hard. Obviously, New York's hard. But I think it's actually mentally. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's easier, but um, I feel less stressed. There are artists I know from those Philly days. We're all a little plumper. Like we're all eating. We're not like stressed out, like never sleeping. Like there was this weird like diet you went on in Philly that was just like stress. The stress and diet. being poor and just being like, you know, my rent was so cheap, but I could never afford it. And it's like this weird thing in New York where you can oddly afford things, even though everything's a little bit more expensive. Yeah. It's this strange math. But that's a good promo for students who are afraid to move here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah. Unless they're interested in the stress diet. Right. Yes. I, think that's I was the way new, cuter back then. That's but the it was new, like <laughs> that's going to be the new diet craze. Yes. Anxiety. You're like, you'll never sleep. <laughs> the building next door is empty. So there's rats in your ceiling and you're just, yeah. Chain smoking. And <laughs> yeah. Never sleeping. It's amazing the for Wawa your The Wawa diet. Yeah. Oh, Wawa's. Yes. Huggies. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, I think it was like this good. It was a good like primer for for the struggle yeah but i think new york is much more of like this adult like oh you know we can do this and it's not like this crazy like it's more like a hustle than a struggle yes yes you just gotta be active you just do it yeah and do things which i've always always done like yeah. i've always been somebody who's been on top of things um so yeah i think it suits me better here did you i forgot to ask did you go to the trucadero a lot what were the bands you're seeing in Philly or in mass art for that? Um, and when did you get like your hardcore. first ink? It seems like it's going together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there was like hardcore, like 
let's see like converge bane like straight edge bands um bane was a big straight edge band there was like earth crisis sorry in the shelter what years are we talking about 2000 well high school years so er late early 2000s not not i don't think i ever went to shows in the 90s but yeah i mean like noisy emo like all it went all over the place scream core yeah there was a little bit of that um it also sort of depended on who i was dating so i dated a few guys in bands and like would go and tour with them um the the old the old school spotify (laughs) suggested playlist right yeah so like we you would sort of know regional bands because everyone played it like those shows would happen all the time um but yeah, I mean, I guess I'm sort of blanking. That's fine. Yeah. So, but you would go see music. Yeah. And Philly yeah. too, because Philly had yeah, everyone Philly. come through. Yeah. There's like, there was a big fest that would always come through. There was a big fest actually in Wilkes-Barre that we would go to and then it moved to Philly. Um, yeah. So it just kind of was like all these bands basically. When I went to undergraduate at Penn State, it's like between Philly and yeah. Pittsburgh, you know, it's halfway. Yeah. So we would go all the time to Philly to see yeah. music. And then back, if we liked them a lot, we'd see them in Pittsburgh oh, and then cool. see them the next night in Philly because usually it was, you know, back to back. Yeah. Um, and then the the more indie rock stuff, would they would actually come through State College uh-huh. and play in someone's basement or something, yeah. which was nice. Yeah. But yeah, there was a lot of music yeah. going on then. I know. It was good. I mean, I really loved going to see music and, you know, a lot of my friends are in bands and... It just became this thing. I mean, I think it's like such a, it was like a very dude culture. Yeah. And back then, especially, it was very harsh on women. Um, And it got to a point where I was just like kind of over it, over the like misogyny, basically. And um, art was something I was more interested in. Yeah. And maybe um, I kind of distanced myself from that. And so like there, it's actually funny to sort of reconnect with those people because they've all grown up and they're not such assholes anymore (laughs) so like there's this weird like oh yeah totally like you were it was hard to be a a girl at those shows yeah well it Um, sounds like you were so socially ingrained in music almost as much as just listening well being i was i've been straight edge or like you know was always i never drank so Yeah, going to those shows, it was like the culture, you know. It was the like place what you we could did. go, yeah. hang out without having to So it was to like once a week it. we'd go to shows and it was, um, yeah, you see the same people and hang out in the grocery store parking lot afterwards or like 7-Eleven and um, those like late night car rides from Boston. And yeah, I mean, it was definitely bonding, but there was always this like, I think it was like a sad like gender gap yeah. that's sort of it's actually kind of amazing to see shows now because i think there's like this there's so many more girls at shows which is amazing to see as a older i'm old i guess now but <laughs> i'm not that old but i do feel old when i go to those shows yeah well and back then yeah even in the yeah. early days like i remember going to see you know like fugazi or yeah. Wilder yeah. bands like that and there's there's not many girls there at yeah all. it's like a dude thing yeah i used to go to what is the venue in Providence? 
um, 220 or yeah, AS220. Yeah, and then there was another one, the living room. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I saw a lot of bands at the living room. Did you ever go to the Taz in New London? Do you remember that place? No. Or maybe it wasn't around by the time. The Taz. It was. No, I don't think so. It's kind of like the in-between yeah. spot to see a lot of those yeah. smaller bands. No, but we would go to the living room a lot. And then Spikes afterwards, mm-hmm. Hot Dogs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a good. And then I started getting more focused onto art. Because I didn't really think I could. And it wasn't like something that people respected back then. Like, especially when you're young, like, no one's like, oh, it's cool, so cool you're at school all the time. You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like, even though it's the studio, like, nobody was like, like, they didn't connect it, you know? Like, Aaron's at school. She's driven. Like, lame. Yeah. yeah like, like, why would what you a nerd. Be driven? Yeah. So I would be at the loom, like, all night. And then, like, I, w- I started becoming friends with all the other kids who were at school all the time yeah. because they were, you know, grab coffee or whatever so um i sort of transitioned into this new friend group of art guys yeah because the other ones it's so funny it's like oh we can sit here and play music all day right and be creative right but if you're off doing your creative thing at school yeah yeah that's lame yeah there's so many you know in growing up around a lot of punk people and straight edge people it is such a double standard Mm -hmm. and it's just as bad as some of the things that they're complaining about. You right. Know, you kind of realize that at some point. Yeah. It's because once in a blue moon, I would have a beer mm-hmm. around those guys and they would look at me like I just committed murder. Right. I know. <laughs> like I remember that. Big deal. I'm not even getting drunk. I'm just sipping, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But yeah, there's so much judgment yeah. involved, which yeah. is what they were supposedly yeah. against. I know. Yeah. So, well, why don't we talk a little bit about you getting here and making your mm-hmm. art? Yeah, so... Oh, wait, you didn't want to talk about art, right? <laughs> You've been talking about it <laughs> no, too much No, I think lately. it's fine. I mean, it's like a weird... So, yeah, the show... I don't know. So, wait, I moved here, and I'd always shown in San Francisco. Like, throughout my... Like, so, since grad school, I've apl- I'd, I'd shown at least once a, once a year in the Bay. And then I moved here kind of just, like, being like, I'm not going to show in New York... Like, I'm just going to work there and, like, you know, make friends. And I have this, sh- you know, record in San Francisco. So yeah. it's fine. Kind of as, like, a way to, like, dampen any disappointment that might occur. Um, if you're not shooting I'm, for I'm it. An, I'm a pessimist, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I'll move to New York and just, like, not care and not show there. And then... Um, I like sent out the email blast of like, I live in Brooklyn now. And then like all these people came out of the word work and were like, I want to see your work. Like I've never seen a person, blah, blah, blah. So like nobody can come to Philly because it's such a far, you know, it's so far from New York. It's like Nigeria. (laughs) (laughs) There were so many times when I'd have studio visits scheduled with people who are visiting New York and then they would just always cancel. They would always cancel. And it was like, I was just, you know, you'd think you would get this opportunity. And then they were like, no, sorry, actually, it's so far, you know. But um, so, yeah, I, I was here and just started making my work and kept showing. And then sort of things started happening where I did like spring break and then um, PBOW saw the work at spring break. And so then, yeah, they invited me to do the show that's up now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is called... It's called Used Tape, which is like a 
reference to abstinence only educate sex education uh-huh. which is like one of those these gross like metaphors for like um not if you have sex you're not going to be able to form bonds like with the with the one person you're supposed to marry and have babies <laughs> with so like there's like the chewing gum thing and there's like spit there's like all these disgusting metaphors for like um promiscuity basically and then yeah. the show is a lot of like um a lot of work about relationships there's a lot of music references in these pieces which oh really i kn- yeah there's like cassette tapes and like kate bush tapes and like um like high school bands that i would go to and um yeah which i've never done never referenced really like pop culture mm-hmm. and um so yeah it's like relationships and um there's some work about domestic violence and intimate partner violence things from police reports and like kind of screenshots from like the stuff that just gets put online for like content yeah um to fill websites clickbait yeah yeah do you spend a lot of time like doing research with that stuff it's the worst it's like i think like for me i think it's interesting to sort of see the way that stuff is presented you know as somebody who is kind of like um experienced that kind of stuff have friends who've experienced but also just like the idea that um it is for sale you know like they're selling pain basically and like and oftentimes it's pain that's happened like yesterday or like um or publicly yesterday for the first time but probably for months or years and um people have these crazy conversations about it online and I think the internet's always been something that I've been it's like that voyeur thing of like you get to see parts but you also get to see how gross people are like absorbing and responding to something within seconds right um their instincts or their judgments so yeah yeah it's revealing in all of its anonymity yes like how people are judged and kind of obviously why people don't come out because of the stream of comments that come out you know well in the perfect environment for those who have those kind of feelings Mm -hmm. because they can do that stuff in anonymity right do you know what i mean because clearly they have issues right right so yeah. the perfect place for them to just you know yeah regurg- put it on other people regurgitate all the messed up things that created that instinct within them is like online under a cloak of you know anonymity yeah and then yeah. everyone else has to read that be like oh geez you know right yeah like oh maybe they are right or because how many people really who are really put together and have a level head and are informed mm-hmm. or trolling for hours and hours making dumb comments on like so why yeah. no i'm not on Facebook. i mean i have a facebook account but i'm mm-hmm. not really using it because i was occasionally reading a thread of comments mm-hmm. and i was like no this is like i'm just going into a dark lair where right. all these people are yeah and i have no business being in it like i realize that's for those people yeah it is also interesting like to see i got rid of facebook um there was like family, I mean, there's always family drama, but like, I think there was like exceptionally family <laughs> drama. So I was like, gotta get off Facebook. Yeah. So it is interesting 
like there'll be random times when my mom's like oh that was this and like i don't know about that like there's this world occurring yeah and they and it really feels like it's life but it's not really life you know it's like this weird sub life what it's like any of us get together and put 12 of our family members mm-hmm you know, as deep cuts right. <laughs> in yeah. a room together mm-hmm. and talk for an hour. Yeah. You're basically doing that at any given moment in those discussions. It's like, I don't want to be in that room. Right. Ever. I've worked my whole life to get out of that exactly. room. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Why would I want to go back there and involve, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, Try it's, to convince them of stuff they're never going to no, believe. It's, it's move on. You know, you just move on. I right. Think. It's been great to not have Facebook. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I do feel like sometimes I'm like, do they remember that I exist? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it says like sister, brother, sister, mother. And it's like, there's no Aaron. (laughs) Like one day they'll just forget because Facebook doesn't tell them. Oh yeah. (laughs) Wait, did we have, was there a kid in here? Remember? There was a middle kid. I don't know. Yeah. Wait, let me check online. No, no, No. we didn't. (laughs) We don't have one. (laughs) We don't have one. (laughs) Memory is false. Right. It's like it all comes back again. Yeah, you could probably set like any parent could set their <laughs> geographical omissions to like anyone who lives in the metropolitan area yeah. of New York or whatever. It's like I don't really yeah. need to involve their opinions. Right, things. right. They're just trouble. So yeah, but when you it's it's funny because when you have subject matter that is mm-hmm. you know often not the brightest and sunniest in the world, right. you know what I mean. You do have to mine. That was kind of, that yeah, yeah, I mean, it is also some, yeah, you're like, you, I kind of prepare myself for those days where it's just like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm not going to see people today, yeah. you know, cause I'm just going to be reading, like I spend days like reading police reports and like going through like horrible pictures and just like, um, but I also think that it's like important to see and like look through and sort of. I think there's so much about other people's experiences that like we think are easy or like simple and um, doing the monotony of like reading things and like all of the stuff that has to be filled out and just like the monotony of like trauma basically that people go, oh, you should report that. But in the end, it's like, do you have three hours to fill out this paperwork and then like deal with a waiting room? And like, I think some people just don't literally don't realize how like hard it is not even just emotionally just but like literally like complicated yeah to deal with all of these things so well no process is easy yeah yeah (laughs) like the dmv like it's just like everything's complicated it's the worst and like sometimes i just want to ride a unicycle (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah because you don't want to deal with parking tickets right like everything's so complicated yeah and then if it's traumatic event on top of that exactly you know yeah sometimes it is easier I you can understand just why people it. just want to like escape away from it yeah know? for sure and that's like problems in life in general you mm-hmm. know there's so many things you just want to like escape because it's difficult to head on you know confront it yeah for sure yeah so I think for me it's like like going through that and just like reminding myself not in like a like torturous way but just in like a realistic way of like you know we can live in a life where like you don't think about these things but for me I think it's important to like be reminded of 
other people's experiences and like I'm not alone, but also they're like, they're not alone, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, another interesting part of, you know, the speed of the imagery, a lot of the stuff that you're using Mm -hmm. when it comes to the media and stuff like that is really slowed down in your process too, which is a nice kind of like, you know, fast, slow burn with the way that you're making it versus the image itself, which, you know, is like flickering or like kind of like a snapshot of something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. something you're, yes you're that's into. what I said in grad school yeah right <laughs> that that blurb <laughs> was my that was my um conceptual garb. yes it was my thesis <laughs> it's like but um, it was also the truth I mean it was totally the truth because well, yeah, it was yeah. like I was thinking about these things like you know like identity or thinking about childhood or whatever things that you say in an instant and are just like kind of glossed over and then being like no, I'm going to spend the next 60 hours thinking about this. Yeah. And then I'm going to like hang it up in front of everyone and be like, here guys, this is the thing, you know? And I've always kind of been that way about like confronting, but in like this soft way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like the anti um, straight edge way, yeah. which I've always said doesn't really work. No, no. Hard you're lines, just yeah. get shoving it in people's faces and like, take it, you yeah. know, and, and it's easy to just yeah want to turn around or want to close your eyes like fight to it yeah but i mean these there's a real seductive nature to the way these are done you know like Mm -hmm. the time the process and the color and the physicality of it that i would imagine that you're trying to you know kind of get the viewer interested in that process and at the same time it's like oh by the way yeah some subject matter right yeah, I also think, like, the medium itself, I think fabric, like, kind of invites you in anyways, you know? It's not yeah. square either. It's, like, this weird kind of um, flawed thing that is handmade. And um, despite a lot of people saying, like, where do you get these made? Um, <laughs> like, they're handmade. and In my studio. Right, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I think there's, like, this connection to fabric that, um, I think painting has it too, but there's like this one, I think with anything, not to be like new agey, but like with anything that there's time spent on, there's like an energy too. Um, and like knowing that a, a human being like spent time with an object is kind of like forces you to just to like. In investigate further or like yeah you consider spend it time. right yeah like someone else yeah was here for well right must, I guess it's uh, irritating though if they're like I, I wonder where they had these made right ship yeah. these out yeah but even that like I think you know like anything like IKEA stuff that's made by people you know yeah. humans somewhere someone designs um, it right you know? yeah no and there are literally humans that like make the stuff so um. Yeah, I think with anything, there's, like, this weird, like, especially with weaving, there's, like, this kind of path you can sort of start to tell where p- things gone, mm-hmm. you know. The process reveals itself. Right. Yeah. So where are all your assistants now? <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere. Nowhere. Just you me. Just, yeah. Yeah. And it must, I guess, you know, to do a large piece like these, I mm-hmm. mean, does it take a long time? Not They're to not ask the long. time question. Yeah. I mean, I, n- I think I know painters who work much longer than I but do. But the planning has got to be... No, well, maybe not. No, not really. Oh, these it's are a piece drawings. of cake? Is that what yeah. 
I used to say that, and I start, I stopped saying that because gallerists were like, just make more, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, no, they, they take so they long. They take forever. <laughs> I'm like, look at my hands. Yeah, <laughs> I do. My apart. hands do twitch. <laughs> um, but no, so they take from like a month to a week. Yeah. So Or like a couple days for the small ones. Right. So it really depends. Some of them I can like whip out pretty fast. Look, it took you your whole life to make that image. Yes, yes. And also, like, there's prep and all of the other stuff that I never account for. And I dye a lot of the yarn, and there's, like, a lot of extra process stuff that takes time. So And staring into space trying to figure a good idea. <laughs> and, like, convincing yourself to Isn't do that it. part of it? And yeah. Yeah, all of those things. Right. Yeah, no one ever accounts for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like non-artists. The dreading. Yeah, you try to explain, this is, I just need to think for a while. Yeah. And that's a weird prospect to a lot I of people. I know. Sometimes I have to rationale that of like, s- I work from home. So there's times when I'm just like, I'll lay on the ground. But then there's also times when I'm like, oh, I can lay on my bed. But I try not to do that during the day because right. it's awful. You go to sleep. And then, but yeah, there's times when you're just like, you have to really just think. And I think there's something hard about nowadays because you really, it's hard. I used to journal all the time and I was reading my journals recently at a residency and I was like, I got to get back into this. Just like free thought, like journaling and like the stuff I used to write down. Like it's like those are the Instagram captions you never post because they're just like something stream of consciousness. But it's interesting to have those, you know, 10 years later of like what I was literally thinking at that moment. So, yeah. Yeah, we spend all our time now presenting right. our thoughts. Editing and like yeah. composing and um yeah. It's different. But anyways, yeah. I like it's it's fine. I don't want to begrudge social media, but Right. Well it's just different. It's different. Yeah. It, I think it feeds you differently too. Yes. Not you, but yes. Yourself you know, us. It feeds Yeah. You know, it feeds you differently in the sense that like you're kind of fishing for a reaction or something whereas you're doing stream of consciousness and if you like you're saying if you get around to reading it later on it can yeah. really inform like oh these are changes this is the change that i've made yeah in the way i'm thinking and and that's interesting you know and, yeah and it can be informative and you can grow from that for sure it's just like when i you know post a selfie and <laughs> everyone tells me how amazing i look uh-huh. i really grow from that experience. right <laughs> yeah well i think it's funny because selfies are kind of there are artists I know who say like, oh, you got to post selfies because then people will connect with your work more because they'll know who you Is that are. Right? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's complicated. I'm not a selfie person. No, me neither. Yeah. I do like this random studio picture, but. Yeah, it's nice to yeah. see. Yeah. A human in the in the space. Yeah. But I don't have a pretty studio. That's the hard thing about this place. It's like. I don't have windows and there's not like (laughs) the ceiling is ugly and functional. It's totally functional, but it's like not pretty at all. Um, Close ups of all the equipment. Yeah. 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 So. Well, but it's fine. It kind of keeps me like humble, I guess. I can't like posture on Instagram about how pretty my studio. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> I, I don't like s- studio shots in that. Sometimes sense. I get so sad. I'm like, oh, I wish I had a pretty studio, but whatever. I don't know. I f- feel like people are too into studio bragging. It's yeah. like just make the shit. Like it doesn't yeah. matter mm-hmm. what the space looks like where right. you made it. I know. Who cares? <laughs> know. You know. It like, does. Look it at is my a giant it is studio. Issue though. Like yeah, you feel like 
illegitimate. <laughs> I don't have that. I'm really? Not burdened okay. With that. No, because and a lot of I'll times I'll get over it. I make work between spaces too. Right. You totally. Know, I'm moving around a lot, so yeah. I, don't, I don't care. I'll work wherever. Okay. Cool. It's the same thing. It's just right. a bunch of paint. It doesn't canvas. matter. Yeah. yeah. And people put too much stock in their as if it's defines them. Like yeah. The, Status. Uh, yeah. Look at how nice my studio is. I know. But you know, it's the work, really. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's a. I always am like, it's old school, you know, you live in your studio, so, yeah. Yeah, some of my favorite studio experiences were, you know, early on when Mm -hmm. I was, you know, just had a crappy space that I'm just trying to, you know, it it wasn't about the space, it was about the time, I think, and the environment and, like, what was going on. Yeah. I think that defines more than, you know, the architecture of the space that you're making things in. Mm -hmm. But you have these things, which are beautiful, Yeah. you know, machines that are yeah they are they're worthy they're beautiful and they're very much like um yeah they're cool they're really cool they're all like super old and this one starts to creak when i don't use it it like talks to me it's like you got to start weaving because it just creaks getting a little stiff here yeah (laughs) like (laughs) come on girl (laughs) it's funny I, I would imagine, I mean, do they still make like current updated versions of them? Yeah. Or are they pretty much the same as they ever They're, were? This one, Clement Looms are out of business. They were, they've got put out of business by a bigger brand that kind of most of the colleges, looms are very regional. Like yeah. a lot of California looms look certain ways. And then um, the Macomber loom is kind of like an old, old school loom I learned on that kind of loom and then Tyler got rid of all their looms and got a different brand um they're all basically the same but um slight differences and kind of preferences that are completely irrational but um based on I think there's kind of this funny like with anything that's super process based there's everyone thinks they're right and I'm kind of ob- obsessed with that. And I yeah. think that's like also like a um, a gender thing about of women. Like sometimes women are just obsessed with being right because, you know, that insecurity of being wrong can like put you down a peg. If you're like in a group of whatever men and you say something wrong it can be embarrassing. But with weaving, it's very w- woman based and sometimes they're obsessed with being right. But I'm kind of obsessed with being like, like this is called this or I learned this and it's called this but it's also called like six other things right and like it it doesn't really matter what it's called we all know what it is you know yeah. so the looms are kind of the same way like people have their preferences and they're co- completely based on comfort and just like you know what you're used to so it must be nice to have yours though yeah whereas yeah. in school if like people make changes yeah it's kind of like a guitar that you get really used to Totally. And they're like, oh, we're going to play on these kind now. Yeah. It's, even though you can still play it. You got very, yeah. It's a I've, different feel. I've done like, r- I did a residency and it I wove on their loom and it was kind of uncomfortable. But yeah, there are parts nowadays that aren't as good. So that's the fear of like the quality of the, they aren't as hardy because I don't think they need to be. Yeah. Um. You know, in the beginning, I think 
in America. They made things like built to last and now they're just like making things that people don't think they need to last or something, you know? They're built to they're sell. They're cheaper. Yeah, exactly. They're more affordable. Um, so I've been having that struggle where if something breaks, these parts are like, you know, as old as me. And then I order a new part and it's like a piece of crap. So oh, it's yeah. like this weird, like the new parts are going to last even less time. So yeah, but looms are interesting, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really interesting process. But yeah. in the end, it's really, like you were saying, it, they're kind of just like paintings or collages, but yeah. they just have this really ni- nice warmth and like history to the image mm-hmm. the way it's made. Yeah. So do you, when you work, do you listen to stuff or are you in silence? Yeah. I listen to, I stopped listening to music because I would get too sad. So like I listen to podcasts. I listen to a lot of murder podcasts. Oh yeah. Um, True crime, basically. A lot mm-hmm. of and then there's like um i watch a lot of or i listen to a lot of netflix and like you know tv shows yeah um just as kind of like keeps you company and then it doesn't like let you go off the deep end right so (laughs) yeah keeps you in a sort of narrative stable yeah yeah. yeah, place where you're like what's gonna happen next um so yeah, there's like times when pieces will remind me of like imagery that was happening or narrative, other narratives, you know, yeah, movies. So watching stuff can be kind of strange when you look at the work afterwards. Um, but it's good, I think, to keep you going. Yeah. And um, are you done with, are you still working on tattoos? Um, yeah, I think so. Really? I mean, <laughs> I got a lot of my tattoos with student loans. Oh, really? Yeah. So I would like, I would get my, I would get them like around my birthday, which is like the beginning of, it was November, but I would get them, yeah, begin first semester and then I would do tax returns. Mm-hmm. So I would get like every six months and the older I've gotten, <laughs> It's not the cash flow is is tough. Right. So it's like slowed you down. It slowed me down and I've actually gotten crappier tattoos the older <laughs> I get, which is like this weird juxtaposition of like going to cr- kind of like legend tattooers in the beginning, uh-huh. not really knowing how cool that was and then now being like doing it myself or like, you know, just kind of going to friends or right. yeah. So yeah, I like getting tattooed, but it's something it's it's a it's an expense that's hard to rationalize a lot of the time. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because a lot of your work has you right. Know, it has my tattoos. Yeah, ink in it, so it becomes. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it's self-portraiture. Yeah, yeah, they're all the ones that I have tattoos are me. So yeah. it's like, and I think that's important just for like the way. In the beginning, my work was all sourced from people that I didn't know, so yeah. I started to do the tattoos. Um, but yeah, it definitely gets to this point where you're like, oh, I gotta weave that tattoo again. <laughs> it's like a, that's a hard thing. Where I'm like, God, I should maybe stop getting tattoos so it's easier to weave my body. That's so funny. Uh, that's yeah. the only reason I think I don't have tattoos early on is because uh-huh. I was worried that I would get something and I would look at it every day. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, I'd be like, Oh, jeez, 
Yeah. Mine all change color when I weave them. Like, they're never the same color. And, like, I've, I've woven my stomach tattoo a million times, and I never weave it the right color. I'm, like, convinced it's green, but it's actually, like, not green. And mm-hmm. um, it's a strange thing to, like, redo tattoos over and over. Um, it's like a drawing being drawn over yeah, and over again. Yeah, yeah. And they, you know, they stretch or they fold, and it's a kind of a cool process but I just recently did this thing where I wove small pieces of images that I wasn't sure about and they are there it's harder to weave smaller Mm -hmm. because the details are more abstract and then I rewove those larger and it was like a breeze because I had already gone through the motions of weaving those spaces in a harder like harder and then doing it larger it was like doing it easier and I think I'm going to do that more where I like where I force myself to kind of walk through the motions and then go back again where it's easier do you use photographs when you do that yeah I was going to say how do you (laughs) so they're like it's called a cartoon so like there it's just the drawing in the back Mm -hmm. so it's all pinned as I go kind of like uh the um frescoes yes yes like that kind of cartoon yeah exactly yeah nice yeah so, uh, your show is up now, mm-hmm. and wh- how long is it up? It's up till June thirtieth. June thirtieth, the end of the month. Okay. Mm-hmm. And PPOW is on Twenty Second Street. Twenty Second Street. And you take an elevator up to the third floor, third and there's floor. also a sixth floor now too. Oh, an annex. Yeah, it Wait, is. I haven't been to that. Yeah, space. there's a sixth floor, and they kind of show. They have a lot of, so there's like a, a viewing room on the third floor too. So there's three spaces that are the gallery. And then there's like a viewing room that's like a fourth kind of space. Um, there's a lot of Betty Tompkins work in that room now. Mm-hmm. And all of these people at my opening were like, I didn't know you painted. I was like, <laughs> I don't paint. That's Betty's work. Um, you know, and then there's a sixth floor, which they hang sort of like, work from the other artists there's like an extra piece that didn't get up in my show so yeah it's kind of like a miscellaneous space bonus track yeah exactly it's like if you if you take the ride to the sixth floor yeah you get to see an extra piece yeah exactly and some i think then like robin williams there's an extra piece of hers and some other artists so nice yeah it's cool it's great i mean it's the biggest i think it's the biggest show i've ever had amount of work yeah. basically it's great yeah. how long did it take you to make it it was Again, like with a the year time, sorry yeah no 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 <laughs> this is the longest show i've ever that. worked on <laughs> i always when people ask me that but I'm do you ask like, painters oh. that yeah i ask yeah. everyone that i think it's an interesting thing because i think a lot like the idea of working on a show for a year feels crazy to yeah. me like that's the longest i've ever worked on a show and um and we also included work from 2016 so there's a lot of work, you know, over it spans. Right. Um, I think it works, but um, it was crazy to keep work hidden, you know, for a year. Yeah. It's like, you just I didn't do a very there. good job, but like <laughs> I would do details. But, but luckily, like at the opening, I thought everyone would have been like over it, you know, but they were like, Oh, we've never seen any of this work. Because it's so different in person. Yeah, it's very different. But I do the same thing. I don't want to show a whole painting before I show it. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) 
What? Yeah. <laughs> I always am jealous of the artists who can like completely hide a body of work. No, I'm jealous of the ones who show a whole painting and then, you know, they have a gazillion people who are loving that painting and then they show it and people are like, yeah, this is amazing. And they're all taking photos of it. But maybe they do that because it's like they're familiar with it and it's really cool to see it in person. Yeah. I I just feel like I'm giving away. Because people are going to get over it. Yeah. It's a weird thing to think about. Yeah. Like that people will just be like, oh, I don't need to see the show because I've seen the piece. But. Hopefully, people still want to see work in person. I think there's, I've always taken my own photos and they're always kind of crappy and like lit bad or whatever. They look fine. They've always been fine. But um, I think like there's something like funny and like DIY about the fact that like my work looks better in person. And like, you know, you either find that out or you don't. Right. But it's like, it's like, I'm not paying a photographer because actually in the end it's like, better for the people who put the effort in to see the work yeah and um it's this weird like i think it is better to see work in person and i think there's something like sometimes i'm like i don't want to go to openings i don't want to go to shows but then you go to you'd spend a day in chelsea and you're like oh god this is amazing right like this is why i live here yeah like (laughs) it's all just here like it's so amazing to see this work in person. It's so different. Yeah. So I think we have to just keep reminding ourselves that in each other. It's like, you got to go see it. <laughs> yeah. Got to get around to don't get so busy that you don't go see stuff yeah. in person. And it is recharging. Like I think seeing or going to see music is recharging, but also like going to shows in person and yeah. like feeling that energy. So I love going to see and every time I go see live music, which mm-hmm. I don't see as much as I used to. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I should go out way more i know yeah because it's so exhilarating yeah for sure it's just late i know <laughs> i know you get tired I'm like really you're gonna headline <laughs> do you have to come on at like midnight, midnight? Yeah. i can't do that anymore <laughs> i know i just recently did that it was fun i love shows where it's like it for something to where it has to start on time mm-hmm. it's like oh you're gonna be starting at 8 p.m Perfect. right yes that's yeah. that's how lame like <laughs> it's okay i get that yeah cool all right well thanks yeah for, thanks for having me over yeah thanks for coming and everyone thanks should go talking. see your show and then you you do have social media yeah well instagram. you do instagram which is your name yeah just aaron m riley m. at aaron m riley um what's the m stand for michelle nice yeah i don't have anything else i used to have twitter but it got a little too weird yeah twitter's weird it is i don't go there TMI. I'm a little TMI on Instagram, but it was extra on Twitter. It is because there's no picture. Usually the picture's not integrated. You're just like, why am I talking? Why am I telling people like I really (laughs) like Honey Nut Cheerios? Yeah, that's just (laughs) too much. You're like, this is not a good, (laughs) this is journal stuff that no one needs to see that I can read, you know, in 10 years, but it doesn't need to be online. Oh, in 2016, I thought it'd be interesting (laughs) to tell everyone that I flossed today for the first time this week. Yeah, or like the neighbors <laughs> did something weird. Yeah. So yeah, just Instagram. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me over. Yeah, thanks. Cool. Sound
and Vision is recorded and edited and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can check out behind-the-scenes images and more at soundandvisionpodcast.com. You can support the podcast by leaving a review and a rating on iTunes. It makes a huge difference. And also, you can grab a Sound and Vision tote bag at the website, and we have an upcoming t-shirt collaboration with Dream Street, so stay tuned for that. Big thanks to all the artists and musicians, music by Nazca Lines and Lullatone, and you can check out my work at paintchanger.com. Thank you all for listening. <laughs>